right there, we're on the air, it's hockey night tonight. Tension grows, the whistle blows, and the puck goes down the ice. The goalie jumps and the players bump and the fans all go insane. Someone roars, Bobby scores at the good old hockey game. Oh, the good old hockey game. All right, welcome to Vegas Hockey Hotline for the Brian Blessing Studio. Brought to you by Station Casinos and the STN app. Every day, Chuck sends me something. Some new prop that they're putting up on this app. And when I tell you this app, as far as options are, con- are concerned, yeah. it's not a joke. They, they are fantastic. This Yankees-Mets versus Angels-Dodgers prop is incredible. And I, I did the math. They're like one game, one game away from each other, so... Uh, I I love that stuff. I wish they put a prop up on the Pirates over under 30 wins. How many times you can actually beat the Reds, which is once, apparently. (laughs) It's been a long life. All right, let's get to our newest member of Vegas Hockey Hotline. He comes in with a hockey night in Canada t-shirt. Looks like the old uh, Vancouver or yeah Winnipeg Jets jersey. He's got a Seattle Kraken hat on. Think that's some sort of protest? Let's welcome in the great Steve Carp. How are you? It is wonderful to be back in the Brian Blessing studio. And even though Brian is obviously no longer with us, I feel his presence in the room as I look at his face. And boy, if he were here today, well, he would have called me eight times yesterday, <laughs> five times to make sure I'm okay, and three. What the hell was Lou Lamarillo thinking firing Barry Trotz? Because uh, as, as most of the listeners probably know, I've been an Islanders fan from the day the franchise was formed in 1972. So I have lived to see the four cups. I have lived through John Spano, Mike Milbury, Garth Snow, Teddy Nolan. Shall I go on and on? No, Playing no in thanks. Brooklyn. <laughs> Tavares, all the stuff that Islander fans have witnessed, I have seen it all. Uh, I actually played in the Nassau Coliseum as a senior in high school, scored a goal, our team won 6-3. That was pretty Wow. Cool. I didn't, know, see, I didn't know that about you. I played. I played two years of, of club hockey. I know you're a huge UNLV hockey guy, obviously, and I'm a huge supporter of them. I'm I'm hoping I live to see the day that they are NCAA Division One, And I know it's coming. It's just a matter of the financing. It's a matter of time. It's a matter it's of money. funding and Title Nine. They're going to yes. have to bring in another team on the women's side. A women's hockey team would be <laughs> there awesome. You go. There you it go. It would be awesome. You oh, know, yeah. think of all the girls that are starting to play in Vegas because of the Golden Knights. Yep. And when they grow up, they have an opportunity to maybe play on scholarship for the local college. How great would that be? I, I couldn't agree the more. Boys, you know, and obviously, you know, all the hard work that, that Z and Anthony and Nick and, and everybody, yourself included, have put into this program over the years. You know, I go back to when Rob Pauline was coaching yeah. UNLV hockey, but it is. They were really good then too. They, they never they really were, got the. Yeah, I mean, but you know, there was no. They weren't playing in a regular full league, and you know, with the, like UNLV does now. But it was just 
heart-wrenching yesterday to wake up to the news that, and I didn't see this coming at all. I knew he had had issues with Oliver Wallstrom. I knew he and Barzal weren't always on the same page. And I know he was a bit reluctant to play some of the younger guys, okay, like Kiefer Bellows and Sebastian Ahu. But look what he did in his short time on the island, okay? From where the team was. The team was a disaster. Right. All right? It was going through a major funk. People were not going to the Coliseum or Brooklyn. It was a mess. And he and Lou Lamarillo together brought that franchise back to respectability. And so Brian would have called me three times to commiserate with me about the team and five times to make sure I was okay. That was Brian. And he would have called me complaining about the driving, which I experienced on the way to the studio today. And he would yeah. have swore for the last yeah. 10 minutes until he well, pulled in. I take the streets. I never take the freeway. I live in summer. Well, I don't take the freeway. I'm telling you, this guy came up from behind me today doing, I mean, it's 45 going down Desert Inn. Was it a Raider? No, no, I, well, I, no, no, they only do those things coming at, out of at three in the morning, coming yeah. out of casinos around roundabouts. But anyway, it's it's wonderful to be here, Dana. You and I have known each other for years. Uh, we shared a, an intense love of this sport, and we care about this community. And I think we're going to have a lot of fun every day. And I think it's a, it was perfect box. timing to me. I mean, it was, Steve, and, and of course Stevie, yeah. who's a good friend of mine, who. Sat over there for many years with Brian, and when I would come to visit, he he's a hell of a guy, and and also very knowledgeable and intense hockey guy. So I hope we don't miss a beat. I hope we don't, as Brian would say, have one foot on a banana peel and one foot in the grave, <laughs> which is what the Rangers are looking at. Yep. Uh, right now, and uh, I just. Wants to have fun. Yeah, that's the whole reason for me getting back into this. It's part of a kind of a three pronged move back to sports journalism. Uh, for those of you who may follow me on Twitter, you probably remember in January I took a job with the state of Nevada as the public information officer for the immunization program, and I quickly which I knew was going to be your next move. <laughs> well, nothing says sports well, writer like well, uh, remember, immunizations. This was after Gaming Today had folded in February of 2021. And I tried very hard to stay in the business. I, I put out over 60 applications for jobs, got one interview in, I want to say it was Waterville, Maine. Was offered the yeah, job. You were willing to go anywhere. I was willing to yeah. go anywhere. I, I applied for jobs in Wyoming and Idaho and Minnesota. I mean, all over the place, okay? And I had one job offer, and the money was just so low, I, I couldn't do it. I wouldn't have been able to, to survive. So here I am in, you know, basically the twilight of my career, um, trying to kind of get back into it, maybe on my own terms. So uh, I do have... I'll talk about this very quickly. Uh, I am working on a book project that is Vegas-related about... Um, Lake Mead and Barrels? Well, some of those teams are there. 
It's basically <laughs> okay, it's basically about Only you can come up with that transition. It's basically about the teams that never made it here. All the hockey That's a teams, great idea. The basketball I love it. teams, the soccer teams, yes. the football teams, the CFL, the XFL, the UFL, the the many the, the variations of indoor, of indoor. Football. yeah, right. Yeah, we got a team that Bill Foley has right now. The Nighthawks started out with a sting, played at the MGM. Yes, well, there was the Gladiators before them. No, after them, or after, yep. yeah, you know. So um, the working title is Vegas Graveyard. Um, the story of broken dreams and failed franchises. <laughs> it's going to be like all the mascots, like heads, and, and this. There'll be a lot of tombstones. Desert, like Boom, boom Boom's but, head. But it is also like... will it will also acknowledge <laughs> the teams that are here. The major how we became a major of course. city. Yes. First with the Golden Knights, then with the Raiders, then with the Aces, and you know, and then of course what is potentially coming down the road: Major League Baseball, NBA. Formula One, which is going to be here, and um, and pro lacrosse with we have a we have a Joe Sy who owns the Brooklyn Nets, Wayne Gretzky who doesn't even need an introduction. Uh, Dustin, I mean, they got a, quite an ownership group here, so they're determined to make indoor lacrosse work here. We we have a culture now, don't we, Steve? A, a culture as being a a sports town where it, that was very difficult. And I'll tell you the two things that professional sports does: a it gives us a culture and an identity as a as a city, but it also was. It's the glue that this city really needed to be brought together as one. I mean, you, my, you know, I've told, told you this a thousand times. My wife teaches school. They yeah. have Golden Knights Day. I mean, it's the one thing that that's what professional sports does for cities. Mm. That if you don't have it, we were. I mean, listen, we all came together when UNLV was doing well from time to time. But this is something that you could really dive into. The Aces were, were born here. The Golden Knights were born here. And, and we just dumped into it because it was like, okay, this is what this city really needs, to, to like some sort of epicenter that we could all be part of. Yeah, I mean, the Golden Knights specifically will always be beloved by the city, not only for their first season success, but the way they responded after the tragic events of – the October 1st shooting over across from Mandalay Bay at the Country Music Festival. Um, the way that team responded and helped the city heal, and and I'll always remember the, the unbelievable ceremony they put together in just a couple of days. Remember, they started the season on the road in Dallas, Dallas yep. and Glendale before they played the Coyotes at home that Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. So they didn't have a lot of time if you recall, remember they were going to have this big celebration. Gary Bettman was showing up, and they were unveiling the the mascot. All sorts of cool things were planned. They had to turn, stop, do a one eighty, and change everything to a far more somber and respectful tone. And you know, guys like Johnny Greco and. Um, Arian, she, you know, that whole group of creative people that they hired that first year were amazing. Wags, everybody involved with Kerry Bubolt and Kim Frank and, and the, the senior staff there put on, 
I mean, I'm in the press box. I'm, I'm trying to fight the tears. Brian is sitting three seats from me. He's His eyes are red. And, you know, almost as red as what hair he had left on his head. And it was, you know, that moment will always stay with all the people in this city as far as the Golden Knights are concerned. Now, right now, things are not too happy between the team and the fans. You know, they keep raising the ticket prices, this whole debacle of a season and where management continues to say, well, we had over 500 man games lost. And, you know, well, the fact is they had pretty much the team they were ready to go to battle with, minus Riley Smith, for the last month of the season. And it was their fault and they, they couldn't didn't have get Riley it done. Smith. Okay? Their power play has sucked for three years. Their penalty kill is not good. You wonder what the hell's going on. Uh... You know, George McPhee is the Wizard of Oz. He's hiding behind the curtain except when he talks to Canadian podcasters or Canadian radio or TV. I mean... Yeah, let's get into that a little bit because they... It's just amazing what's going on right now with this franchise. Now, all this being said, Dana, I said yesterday on Twitter after Trotz got let go by the Islanders that don't be surprised... If the Golden Knights look at him and that maybe consider a change. All this being said, Pete DeBoer is a very, very good coach. What my concern is, I'm not so sure after watching him, both up close and from afar the last couple months, is he the right coach for this team going forward? And that's a tough question to answer because... Has he lost the room? I don't think so. Are there players who are uncomfortable with his system and his style? Probably so. Definitely so. Okay. So you're Bill Foley, who basically goes into RJ the other day and says, Kelly McCrimmon's staying as our GM. Doesn't mention anything about McPhee. Certainly doesn't mention anything about Yeah, we brought that up too. I thought that was curious. Yeah. So, um... That leads me to believe that the door is open for a coaching change. Because remember, we're only into week two of the Stanley Cup playoffs. The Golden Knights are not involved in the Stanley Cup playoffs. There's no rush for them to hire or make a coaching change or change up his staff. Because there might be candidates as we go along in the playoffs that could become available. But more than likely, if you're making a run in the playoffs... All right, let's say Florida finds a way to beat Washington and move on. Are they really going to change coaches? I mean, they won the President's Trophy? I don't know. I mean, listen. Should they? I, I mean, I, I, I'm asking. I mean, if you're a Florida Panthers fan, aren't you pretty happy with the way your team is being coached right now? I don't know. If, if they, but if they lose this series. Well, that, that, see, that's what I'm well, saying. Well, hold on. If they lose this series, I, I brought this up yesterday. Would they have been in better a better position if Joe Quimble was still the coach because they would have been more prepared? I, I don't think they play smart I, when they're ahead the, against the better teams. And, and, of course, this is we're just talking about the Capitals. Mm-hmm. I think they play sloppy hockey. I don't need my defenseman carrying the puck up through the middle of the ice when you're trying to protect a lead in a third period. Dump it in. Get back. 
Right, because that's what a Quinville team would have done. That's exactly right. So my yes. point is, that aside from President's Trophy aside, would this team be more prepared to make a deep run in the postseason from a defensive standpoint, mm-hmm. from a structure standpoint, than they are right now? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think you. I think there's a lot to that. And and even though we're seeing high scoring games in the playoffs so far, and we bring our guest on to talk about betting this thing uh, we could probably ask about that because I'm not seeing a lot of tight solid play except in Calgary Dallas and even that got a little haywire in the second and third periods last night in, in Dallas so I mean certainly the Rangers are finding themselves I don't know what the hell's going on with well, those Pittsburgh, guys. But, uh, Pittsburgh is just out. This experience quickly. difference between the Penguins and the Rangers, and they people have... use experience and say it all the time, oh, they throw that around. I'll tell you what experience is. Experience is knowing how to go on the road and win. Experience is knowing where everybody is going to be on the ice yeah. at all times, even if you're not looking at them. Yeah. Experience is playing a system that they know has won in the past. And so now I saw Gallant uh, made some curious uh, curious line moves. I think maybe a little bit too early. Didn't stay within the structure. I see Shesterkin not playing with a lot of confidence. Georgiev was pretty good, I thought. But at the same time, I just see this Penguins team that's not panicking. We've been there before. They are led by their superstars. And this yeah. is a time of year where your superstars have to be the best players on the ice. And Pittsburgh is. And outside of one game, the Rangers have no answers for that Crosby line at all. Especially especially the games in Pittsburgh where the Penguins get last change. You know, we talk about this every it's year huge. in the playoffs. It is huge. Absolutely huge. Especially if you have a coach like Mike Sullivan who knows what the hell who, he's doing. Who is out coaching Gallant right he now. He is. I mean... They have no answer for that Crosby uh, line, and and every faceoff Sid seems to win. I mean, I'm every. To that's a great point. Every, and this is why I'll give you a statistic. Look at the amount of shots that Shesterkin has faced versus what Jacob Markstrom has faced. There is no comparison. You want to talk about a team, and we talked about this all year about how you're leaning on Shesterkin to carry this team. Well, that hasn't changed in the postseason, no. and Pittsburgh is not the Ottawa Senators. And we're talking two of the three Vezina finalists, you know, right. Markstrom and, and Shesterkin. So, Calgary with Daryl Sutter plays a far more structured game than the Rangers do under Gallant. It's, it, it is what it is. Doesn't mean Gallant's a bad coach. Right now it means that Mike Sullivan's guys – are running their system better than Gallant's guys are. And it's probably going to result in handshakes at the Garden tomorrow, if not in Pittsburgh on Friday. And the Garden, a place that the Penguins have had tremendous success in. This is not going to be an atmosphere that they go into. They won, the, they won game one. This is not going to be, a, uh, a, well, even before that, in a yeah. prior playoff series oh, yeah. with these same players, well, yeah. same superstars. They've had no problem winning and MSG. But I have learned this, Steve. There is, over the years, you can see a definitive difference in, in coaches. You have the coaches like Bruce Boudreaux who comes in. He's a rah-rah guy. Gets people's mind in the right place. Gets them moving forward. Mm-hmm. And then you get those tacticians. And there's, there's a def- there's, and then the most successful coaches 
or somewhere in between. Yeah. But I do see this. All the rah-rah guys, they get moved in a couple of years because the voice gets old, the speeches get old. The, the, the Gallants, the Boudreaux. Players, coaches. Players, coaches, that's right. right. And then you talk about these retreads. People say retreads all the time. No, no, no. It's not retreads. These guys have a terrific system in place, and it's whether or not they have the players that are able to play within that system. That's why they constantly get hired yeah. because they're like, oh, your system's going to work for who we are. Well, and we see it right now. Ra-Ra guy is getting outcoached by Mike Sullivan. I go back to Roger Nielsen and Mike Keenan, guys who were system guys, okay? Weren't beloved by their players. But they really? Got, People didn't like Mike Keenan? It's crazy. Yeah, but they got results. <laughs> thought he was a player's coach. They got results for the most part. And so that's why I'm a little hesitant to say that the Knights need to pull the plug on Pete DeBoer. What I think they need to do is they need to maybe restructure some of his staff. Okay? Which might mean Steve Spot moving on or one of the two Ryans, either McGill or Craig. Well, I think that's where you changing start. that up. If, if he stays, and here's where I think Bill Foley may be going with this thing without having said it to, to Dave Shane the other day. I think he sees what we see. A power play that should be a hell of a lot better than it is, especially Special teams when they in general. Have all their guys, all the components: Pacioretty, Eichel, Petrangelo, Theodore Stone. The the primary guys that you would run your first unit with, okay? And when they're not getting even one or two quality shots during a power play, it tells you something, doesn't it? Okay, something's not right with the system that they are running. Now, the penalty kill missed Riley Smith because he has turned into a pretty good penalty killer over his time yeah, it didn't, in the league. And, and certainly but Riley Smith was there William over the Carson last month, and it was horrible. All right, but it wasn't good. All right, And as we see in the playoffs, special teams are so, well, they're even more magnified than normal. Okay? So you better be able to get a power play that generates some sort of offense. And if you don't score... At least you've tilted the ice for a couple more shifts following the end of the power play where you still are You still have the residue control. of the power play. Yep. You're still pressuring. You're still basically in charge. We didn't see that with the Golden Knights the last two or three years. Honestly, if we're honest about it. Okay? And the fans see it and they get all upset, and rightly so, because... If they can see it, they're saying, well, how come DeBoer can't see it? Well, DeBoer does see it. The problem was he wasn't able, whether it was through personnel or whatever the system they were trying to run, it didn't click on a consistent basis. Remember they did have that little spurt for like a week or so or two where they were kind of clicking on the power play and and everything. All right. And DeBoer said before the season, when this was still an issue, hey, don't judge us on what you've seen in the preseason, the first few games. Judge us on the entire season. Well, okay. That, there you go. That <laughs> done. That one came home to roost. Okay. So now we know the power play is an unmitigated disaster, and it does need an overhaul. Now, do you run it through a healthy Jack Eichel? 
Do you run it through Petrangelo? Um, is is Pacioretty your go-to guy? Because he's he really is when you look at it honestly and objectively when he's healthy, he is their best sniper, quote unquote. I agree. A guy who can score yep. from pretty much anywhere on the ice in in the attacking zone. All right, and you got a, a setup guy in Eichel who's supposed to be his forte is finding open teammates. So they they got a lot of things to consider, and maybe if there's a coach out there who has a proven track record of success running the special teams, that might be what tips it to yeah. making a coaching change. Well, that's where I would start for sure. Well, Steve, it's great to have you, and this is the kind of discussions that I'm I'm really looking forward to having on every day. Uh, every day. Uh, well, after three days, you'll have to reevaluate your. I mean, most people just leave within three months of hanging out with me, so we'll see. We'll see how you feel on Friday. We'll be fine. Okay. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, uh, Brady Trenton Arrow will join us, and we'll talk about Vesna finalists and some NHL betting. STN Sports is the only sports betting app you need this season. STN Sports has it all. In-play betting, mobile parlay cards, the Play Plus card to fund and withdraw from anywhere in Nevada, and up to a $100 new sign-up bonus. STN Sports even lets you earn rewards for every bet. Safe and easy betting from your phone or tablet. Go to stationcasinosports.com or sign up at any station casino or wildfire. Complete details available at all sportsbooks. Oasis Bar and Grill at 4955 South Decatur near the corner of Trop has been totally renovated. It features incredible food with a kitchen that's open 24-7. Gaming promotions every month. There are cashback drawings for loyal players. The banquet room is spacious and a great venue for any type of function. Sports fans won't miss any of the action with HDTVs throughout the property. Oasis is a great place to meet and make new friends. The staff is fun and engaging. Get in on the fun with great food, great drink, and gaming promotions at Oasis Bar and Grill, 4955 South Dakota. Experience the thrill of the grill. John Smith Subs is home of the famous steak bomb and other premium deli subs with grilled-to-order marinated sirloin steak, grilled chicken, farm-fresh veggies, and delicious bread baked daily. Our subs are making a name for themselves with quality and flavor. Add an order of piping hot french fries and you have a meal you can't get anyplace else. Experience the thrill of the grill at John Smith Subs. Visit johnsmithsubs.com to find a location near you. Hey, Golden Knights fans, I'm attorney Adam Kuttner. I'm proud to be an official partner of the Vegas Golden Knights. We're giving you the chance to play at home along with the Golden Knights to win home game tickets through our power play giveaway. Each time the Golden Knights are on a power play, we'll pick one of my Twitter followers who tags me on Twitter with the hashtag Adam Kuttner power play. And when the Golden Knights score, that lucky fan wins tickets to the Fortress. So make sure to follow me on Twitter. Go Knights, go! Calling all Vegas Golden Knights super fans for the Terribles game day giveaway. During all of Vegas Golden Knights home games, visit any participating Terribles location, make a qualifying purchase, get a scratch card, enter on the Terribles app, and you could win a $1,000 Golden Knights shopping spree. Best yet, one lucky customer will win this prize every day the Vegas Golden Knights have a home game. Terribles game day giveaway. It's only 
at Terribles. Visit Terribles.com for more details. Oasis Bar and Grill at 4955 South Decatur near the corner of Trop has been totally renovated. It features incredible food with a kitchen that's open 24-7. Gaming promotions every month. There are cashback drawings for loyal players. The banquet room is spacious and a great venue for any type of function. Sports fans won't miss any of the action with HDTVs throughout the property. Oasis is a great place to meet and make new friends. The staff is fun and engaging. Get in on the fun with great food, great drink, and gaming promotions at Oasis Bar and Grill, 4955 South Decatur. STN Sports is the only sports betting app you need this season. STN Sports has it all. In-play betting, mobile parlay cards, the Play Plus card to fund and withdraw from anywhere in Nevada, and up to a $100 new sign-up bonus. STN Sports even lets you earn rewards for every bet. Safe and easy betting from your phone or tablet. Go to stationcasinosports.com or sign up at at any station, casino, or wildfire. Complete details available at all sportsbooks. Okay, welcome back to Vegas Hockey Hotline. From the Brian Blessing Studio, brought to you by Station Casinos and the STN app. That's Chris Johnson behind the controls. That's Steve Carp. we got to figure out the headset thing for you. I'll bring one in tomorrow. There you go. Well, that's <coughs> providing the contraption that you plug it into works. I'm Dana Lane. Thanks for joining us. Let's get to our next guest real quick, uh, Brady Trentonero, who has so many hats. I mean, I, I looked at what he does, and I thought, well, we got to have this guy on. He's a digital hockey content uh, guy. He uh, writes about the, the Vancouver Canucks for Daily Faceoff. He also uh, provides content for Sports Betting Dime uh, as, at SBD. And, and so, Brady, everything you do is right up my alley, and that's exactly why we had to have you on. How are you today? I'm doing well. Love to hear it. Yeah, thanks for uh, having me on the show. Awesome. No problem. Hey, I just got to ask you right off the bat, we talked about this yesterday. What What is the future uh, with Bruce Boudreaux? I mean, he did a great job in Vancouver, really you know, got them back into the playoff race. But as we know there, there's new ownership there. Is Bruce coming back to Vancouver or is he going to move on? Yeah, I think he's he's going to be coming back. I mean, it's a little bit of a Good. tough um, situation with when it comes to the uh, the contract. Um, they kind of want to see basically Boudreaux in kind of a full season, right, with the team before getting that um, extension um, long-term and stuff. So I do think he's coming back, though, um, next year, despite, you know, some rumors and uncertainty out there right now. Okay, and then so – is there a is there a shelf life with Bruce? I mean, is he a guy? I mean, uh, uh, he's had a lot of success in the league, but we've learned that there is a difference between tacticians and guys that are you know kind of you know, pick up morale and you know get the guys moving in the right direction. I don't know if they're always able to find a promised land, but is there that kind of worry where you don't extend him or you don't give him a long term deal, maybe two years or three year deal? I th- I think there's you know there there always is when you're trying to commit to a coach just because in you know today's landscape we're seeing a lot of you know coaching changes and GMs that are eager to kind of pull the trigger and make make those changes so you know when you have a guy though as experienced as Boudreaux and you kind of know what he's been able to do and especially when you look at his um, success 
since he came to Vancouver and what he was able to do, kind of turn around the team and get them in contention for a playoff spot. I think, you know, the Canucks are going to be able to make that commitment. They just need to see, you know, a little bit more from Bruce before um, making any decisions. Right. Uh, the Vezina finalists came out today, and, and of course, Markstrom and Saros and Shesterkin were the finalists. I mean, is this Markstrom's to, to lose, or, or is Shesterkin going to get the get the nod in the end? I think, um, you know, unfortunate timing with uh, his recent playoff performance, but I think Shesterkin is probably going to end up getting it just because um, of his numbers and what he was able to do for that um, Rangers blue line that, you know, when you compare it to kind of, um, you know, Calgary's blue line, it's, you know, it's a lot weaker and, you know, Shesterkin has kind of the underlying numbers and stuff. And I think ultimately um, it's Shesterkin's to lose, but, um, you know, Markstrom also had a tremendous season. So if he got it, I don't think um, many people would be complaining. But at the same time, too, Brady, isn't it just a matter of without Shesterkin, uh, I don't think that the Rangers have the regular season that they had. I mean, they really had to lean on him for most of the season, and we're seeing that again in the postseason. Unfortunately, uh, that's not working out for them. But between you look at the amount of shots that uh, that Markstrom has faced versus what Shesterkin had to do just to get his Rangers to, to the point that they're at, I mean, Shesterkin clearly is the MVP of that team. Yeah, and that's that's exactly it, right? I think that's that's what it comes down to, and that's why there's there was a you know a huge push for Shesterkin and kind of the Hart Trophy um, conversation this year because he's just that valuable. Like I don't know where they would be um, without his play this year, and you know you're seeing when he isn't able to bring that play in the playoffs, you're seeing what happens to to the Rangers team because they just give up way too many high quality chances and. That's kind of the big difference, and that's what Shesterkin has working for him against Markstrom and, you know, Calgary's kind of elite defense with Daryl Sutter and how he, he gets that team to play. So that's why I think Shesterkin has a huge edge. Yeah, what about uh, as far as wagering on this? I mean, it seems to be mm-hmm. a, a ton of goals being scored, uh, not a lot of tight games. I mean, this is the series are tight, but the games are not. I mean, how are you attacking this? This is kind of unconventional because in the past we, we see a lot of low-scoring games where goaltenders take over, although we do typically see a lot of shots in the playoffs. But this has been a little bit different of an animal than it has in the past, hasn't it? Yeah, it, it definitely has been. We're seeing a lot of kind of shifts in momentum, but it's also weird at the same time where you kind of have these teams alternating blowout victories Um you know, like one night it'll be like 5-1 for one team and then next night the similar score but for the other team. So that makes it kind of tough to, to target. Um, but, yeah, I like to find a lot of spots where, you know, you, you look at certain kind of trends and things that are going on that you can maybe point to and think, okay, they probably have a nice edge here. I think, you know, one of the most obvious ones is the Tampa Bay coming off, um, you know, a loss in the playoffs. They just bounced back really well and – you know, something like, you know, Boston just played really well against Carolina in their own barn. So just kind of finding, like, certain situations. And then, of course, like, totals, yeah, um, you know, we're seeing a lot of high-scoring games. Um, and sometimes you have to jump on those lines right away because the total can, can jump up, um, you know, higher than you'd like it. So if you see something that you like, it's best to kind of smash it right away. 
Hey, Brady, during a regular season, have you ever seen a, a season, and it's it's great, but it kind of pushes me to bet totals a lot more than I would in the past. Have you ever seen a season where you're seeing $6 favorites and $6.50 favorites? I mean, I have never seen that. It is, and I'm almost afraid that it's going to bleed into baseball. I mean, when you're seeing six fifty, it's automatically a no-go for me, obviously, uh, off the card. But it really limits you know, your options on, on some nights. You almost have to, have to always go totals uh, unless you're looking at a puck line or a big you know, plus-money dog yeah i i'm with you i i really haven't seen i mean it's kind of unprecedented the level of scoring that's been gone on in the nhl this season um that you know it's way up kind of and you know there's certain teams that are really you know propelling that like the panthers i think you know for florida like there was you know it stretches during the season where you know they had games that were you know where they were even the total was priced at, you know, 700, um, you know, seven goals. And they would even, you know, cover that sometimes. So it's, you know, it's tough to target um, those really high totals. But sometimes um, it does pay off if, you know, everything adds up. And if, you know, you've got the two offenses and then the, um, you know, the lackluster goalies. But, um, you know, to answer your question, yeah, this is just unprecedented. And then it makes it really interesting from a betting perspective. Uh, how much respect or disrespect are we not giving or giving the Kings? I mean, and, and the, the nature of that question comes from, are we not giving them enough respect? And are we not giving Jonathan Quick enough respect? Because, you know, I mean, we are, you know, from a from a Kings standpoint, um, you know, a lot of people thought, hey, look, great job in the regular season. But I think we were giving them a lot of respect for being able to hang into that playoff spot despite all the injuries, the injuries that they continue to have, with notably Drew Doughty. You know, I think as a team, we weren't we're not giving them enough respect for what they've been able to do as far as, far as neutralizing the middle of the ice against the Oilers. And at the same time, when you look at Jonathan Quick, he, he's taken such a a a path similar to what Tim Thomas did where you know he lost his job there was a uh there was an organization an organization kind of wanted to put him out they wanted to bring Tuka Raskin to be their number one guy he reclaims the the spot and then has tremendous success I mean I don't think we're talking about what Jonathan Quick has meant and brought to the Los Angeles Kings uh, I don't think we're talking about it enough yeah definitely I think you know People were kind of writing off the Kings a little bit um, too early. Um, I'm even guilty of that. I think, you know, when you look at that Dowdy injury, that really looms, that was looming ahead of this postseason because he's such an important piece. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this team, the fact that they're, you know, even up here with the Oilers um, with all these injuries is, is really remarkable. And, you know, for Jonathan Quick, I, you know, I think playoff experience certainly goes like a really long way. You know, he's almost played 90 you know postseason games he's won his cups and I think for quick you know he's been a little bit up and down and I think that's probably the concern with him um even in this series you saw him have um some really good games and then a couple um you know not so great games I think that's the issue um with quick is if he can maintain that consistency especially at this um, stage in his career but yeah I think you have to give full full props for to the Kings for what they've been able to do against the Oilers, especially when you kind of look at the underlying numbers, um, they're really doing a good job at kind of keeping the Oilers to, you know, a limited amount of 
of high danger chances in in some of these games and yeah they're doing it with with the injuries like you mentioned so i'm really interested to see how this series plays out i still think edmonton is going to be able to pull it out um you know with their star power and and stuff but yeah the kings are certainly making it interesting now we're talking to brady uh trenton narrow and, and he uh is a uh, I don't know, digital hockey content writer, I guess. I mean, there's so many things yeah. that you have listed here. You're a freelance writer for the Canucks, Daily Faceoff, SBD. I mean, what is, what is Gino Hard? What is that? You're the founder of that. Yeah, that's just a fun kind of lighter kind of hockey site. Um, fun yeah, hockey I've site. It's doing... got 251,000 251, followers. <laughs> fun site. Yeah, it's yeah. It takes a lighter approach to the game. Like for me, like when I'm watching the games and stuff, I kind of like to look for like entertainment and like fun stuff and kind of yeah. So the Gino Hard's more dedicated to kind of the lighter side of the game and um, kind of filthy, filthy goals, highlights, and and stuff like that. Well, I just have the, the, the complete history of uh of zgress and and what he's done with the ducks this year so yeah that's probably all, all your videos all year round um let me ask you about exactly. the bruins you brought up the bruins earlier on and i find it amazing and it's very difficult when you're trying to handicap these games when you drop you, you lose your top pairing basically with carlo and, and hampus lindholm i mean what mm-hmm. have they been able to do without those guys to neutralize the carolina hurricanes who absolutely looked like this was going to be a quick series after uh, after the first two games. It just is, is this just a matter of the perfection line finally coming coming alive, uh, namely Brad Marchand and also his ability to get into Tony D'Angelo's head a little bit? Uh, does Boston now own Carolina's head where Carolina had, you know, basically going back into the regular season where they crushed Boston? I mean, is this Boston now turning the corner mentally on this series? Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, I was really impressed with how they responded. Um, they were getting, you know, written off after going down to nothing to Carolina, and they're able to, um, you know, bounce back with two really um, convincing wins at TD Garden. And yeah, I think it's a mix of kind of everything you talked about. Um, you know, losing, you know, Lindholm, and of course um, they're going to be again without Charlie McAvoy. Um, tonight so those are some some big losses and i saw yeah yeah i saw a stat that they rank um number one um in the playoffs and expected goals against um i think that's even strength um so that's really impressive against an offense as dangerous as carolina and then you know they inserted jeremy swayman um you know, I don't really think Linus Olmark was the issue necessarily, but sometimes when you make a goalie change, it can really provide a boost. And Swayman was excellent in the regular season, and we're seeing that now in the postseason. And offensively, yeah, getting that perfection line going, I think, I mean, that's kind of what Boston's relied on for the past, you know, several years is, you know, they've had some depth scoring, but it's really their heart and soul has been that perfection line. So, for Marshawn and, and Bergeron and Pasternak to get going and then, you know, to kind of get in uh, D'Angelo's head a bit. Um, you know, he kind of lost it a little bit there, so we'll see how he responds. Um, it's all good signs for Boston, and it's shaping up to be a really great series. Yeah, and of course, Brandon Carlo will play tonight. He'll pair with Matt Grizzlick in that top pairing. And again, go talk to talk to me about, you know, Linus Allmark. And, and again, not necessarily like we're – 
putting everything on his shoulders. But the fact remains, when Jeremy Swayman went in there, I mean, this team, uh, their their mental mindset just completely changed in the way that they uh, the way that they played. And I don't know if it had anything to do with Swayman going in, but this is a kid who we thought. I mean, what was it two months ago or a month and a half ago where we thought? Hey, look, uh, Bruce Cassidy is going to name him as his number one guy, definitive number one guy. And all of a sudden, he goes into a little bit of a slump. Linus Allmark gets hot. I don't know who the number one guy is there. I'm not sure the number one guy ultimately down the road is there yet because I love Swayman. I think he's a good goaltender, but I can't have him going through the ups and downs if you expect them, uh, a team that could – it probably is going to face some sort of transition, whether it's next year or the year after, depending, you know, I mean, the domino, the big domino, of course, is Bergeron. I mean, outside of that, I mean, how does this team move forward with, if you say Bergeron's off the team, they're, you know, their coursing numbers is not going to be what it is because their top guys are not going to carry the puck as much and they're going to rely on their goaltending more. I really worry about Boston in the future, but if Swayman becomes that top goaltender, the definitive top goaltender, I think that's where Boston needs to start as far as uh, being as far as being uh, a team that's going to be in the postseason on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Goaltending is so important. That's such a critical position and I was concerned for sure about the Bruins when we got that news about um, Tuukka Rask earlier in the year because you know how valuable he's been. And yeah, yeah it really is gonna, yeah, it's really going to come one hip, and he can still what... beat the Flyers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah, um, well, I mean, yeah, the Flyers are a bit of a dumpster fire right now, but yeah, I'm, I mean, for 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 Boston, like. Um, yeah, Swayman's able to become that guy. You know, he's still only 23 years old, had some ups and downs. And, yeah, at times during this, this regular season, he just he looked phenomenal in, like, the future. And then he kind of lost his his starting spot there um, during that slump. So I think the Bruins believe in him. Um, you know, when you watch his interviews and stuff, he just seems like the kind of guy that, like, a team can can rally around. He's got a great personality. He seems like a super fun guy. So I think Boston would love nothing more than Swayman to become that elite number one and, you know, succeed to Karask in the crease. Um, but yeah, as you mentioned, if someone like Bergeron isn't there in the picture, they're really going to need that goaltending or else they're, they're in major trouble. Well, Brady, we appreciate you joining the show. Tell everybody where they can find your work. Yeah. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Brady Trent. I got links kind of there in in my bio on all my um, different sports betting and articles that I write. So, yeah, find me on Twitter at Brady Trent, and thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, no problem, man. Hey, we appreciate it, and all the best to you in the future. Yeah, you as well. All right, there he goes. Brady Trenton Arrow has got a laundry list of the things that he does. I, I, I couldn't even pick one, but one that I really wanted to talk about, Steve, was his, was the fact that, you know, he was a freelance writer for the Canucks, and it's good to hear that Bruce Boudreaux would probably be back in his opinion. He should be. He deserves to be. Now, how long it will last right. is what you brought I, up You earlier. can't give him a five-year deal. But, I mean, obviously there were people in Vancouver dropping Barry Trotz's name. Well, who hasn't? Well, Winnipeg, Philly, Detroit. 
I even Vancouver, heard Vancouver, which has a coach. I even heard Nashville. Him. I mean, they, there's still a debate about him and John Hines at and this bring, point. And bringing Barry back to where it right where he started. Isn't that interesting too? Yeah. And just one last thing because we got one minute left in the show. Isn't it interesting the way Barry Trotz started in Nashville? Because the, what was there five years? And of course, he was their first coach in in their history. But five years it took him to get to the postseason. Right. I don't. And now he's a they Hall of Fame coach. They were a typical expansion team. But I don't think Unlike that that here. would – do you think he would have gotten five years here of not making a postseason? Different ownership, different GM in Van, in uh, Nashville uh, than in Vegas. Uh, different patients, for so sure. Let's, let's very quickly, it's draft lottery night tonight in a few hours. Basically, the Shane Wright sweepstakes for the Kingston Frontenacs. Montreal, 18.5%, the best shot. Vegas cannot get the number one pick. They could get as high as six if the ping pong balls fall right. If not, because they can move up ten, right? At the, right, at they the can most. only move up ten spots. Buffalo would get the pick from the Eichel trade. So, more than likely, the Sabers will be picking ninth and sixteenth. They should get two pretty good players out of that, I would think. And I know up in heaven, Brian was. We'll be looking down yes, and say, will. what the hell are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I'm sure he's done, said that about a lot of things. It's always a fun night, and obviously the draft is uh, late in June in Montreal at the Bell Center. And I've covered a couple of drafts, and they're they're fun. But it's uh, a Except lot the of one intrigue. that you fell down at. Yeah, in Chicago. Yeah, that wasn't good. <laughs> and nobody came to help you. Anyway, no. we'll talk about that tomorrow. Hey, thanks, Steve. We appreciate it so much for coming in. Great we also want to wanna thank uh, start. Chris, thanks for keeping us on the air. Of course, of course. I also want to job. thank uh, Scott Robin from Vital Vegas, Doug Fitz, uh, handicapper professional that uh, has done it for years, and, of course, Brady Trenton Narrow. Well, we'll be back tomorrow. We're going to figure this thing out, but I love what we have going on here. We appreciate it, Steve. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you tomorrow after, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m. The best game you can name, and the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. Oh, the good old hockey game is the best game you can name, and the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. Oh, the good old hockey game is the best game you can name, and the best game you can name is the good old.